So, here we are. The first but not real rest day of the Tour de France with Ned Bolting and David Miller. It, it is. Is it I a went rest a bit day? Matt Rendell then, didn't I? Yeah, did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of love for Matt This Rendell. is not a rest day. We'll come back to that. There's a lot of love <laughs> for Matt Rendell and mourning of his absence yeah, on this podcast, isn't there? So we'll have to get him on well. at some point. Yeah. Um, because none of our Scouts and Iros are going to be up to it, are they? They're Impossible. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, going back to it, why is this not a rest day? Because after race yesterday, we drove two hours, you drove two hours. Yeah. Four hour wait to the airport, to although Legoland. we went to Legoland. Yep. Uh, hour and a half flight. Yep. Uh, hour and a bit drive. We got to hotel at 3.30 a.m. Yeah. And then we were up writing. Yeah. Writing, I was writing my daily report that people can click in the show notes. You were writing. Who are you writing for? I'm doing a, a column for Cycling Weekly, ostensibly because it's a column for Cycling Weekly, but I'm not being paid for it. Uh, because, That's what we do. No, because it's very important that the readers of Cycling Weekly do th- know this, that at the bottom, there's a really ineffectual couple of lines which say, Ned Bolting is on tour this autumn with Retour de Ned and tickets are available here. Uh, so, so it's advertising. It's one of those things. So it's like, it's basically a bit like doing this. Yeah. It's quid pro quo. Quid, quid pro quo. But I, but I like the people at Cycling Weekly. And I'm I did that last year or the year before. Did no, you? I didn't write, but I, someone called me, answered questions. So a lot easier. Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, but similar. But I was saying to Pete earlier, I have never been woken up after three hours sleep. Because as you say, we got in 3, 3.30. 3.30, yeah. And at six o'clock, I was woken up. Not by, there are various things, especially at a certain age. <laughs> that, that wake you up in the middle of the night, mm. yeah? One is, um, well, you can guess, you know. Yeah. Well, one is needing a wee. Yeah. Occasionally. What? Not, well, occasionally not just needing a wee. Really? In the middle of the night? <clears throat> Especially. <laughs> the other thing is, if you've had a Chinese takeaway, being absolutely ragingly thirsty, that can wake you up at night. Yes. Yeah, just suddenly in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then or, you, and then you're rushing to the hotel room and trying to work out which one's the cold tap in yeah. the dark, banging your shin against things mm-hmm. and all that because you can't, you know, you can't have only a dim recollection of actually where you are in the mm-hmm. in the world. Sorry, my headphones just fell off. Um, but <laughs> and again, <laughs> total chaos. Um, but on this particular occasion, I was woken up abruptly at six o'clock in the morning by my conscience. Mm. Never happened before. It was like it was like a little tap on the on the skull like that with mm. my conscience going. Ned, 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 um, there's something you haven't done. And the something that I hadn't done was my Cycling Weekly column, which was supposed to have been in at five o'clock <clears throat> the night before when I was fretting about driving to Bill and mm-hmm. the airport and then getting a pizza and then doing mm-hmm. a podcast and then getting on the flight mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. So I thought, I'm going to have to do it. And I woke up at six o'clock in the morning having had three hours sleep and, um, and, and wrote 750 words in a kind of fever dream and then went straight and submitted it. I can't wait to read this. Yeah. Went, <laughs> I went straight back to sleep again. And um, and then I wasn't entirely sure when I woke up again at 10 o'clock whether or not it, any of it had actually happened. Really? <laughs> Until I think the deputy editor from Cycling Weekly emailed me back saying, oh, that was amazing. Oh, thank you. Thanks for doing that. And yeah. it was all okay. Yeah. I almost yeah. do my uh, best work half asleep as well. Ned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and me and Ned had a quick coffee once. I actually woke up at 2 p.m. this afternoon. So I got 12 hours sleep almost. And I had to push like, force myself out of bed because we had the shutter blinds yeah, so yeah, pitch yeah. black no yeah. idea what was going on had no energy but i was like if i don't get up now there's no way i'm sleeping tonight yeah because we ba- i basically had jet lag so then we we're having a coffee and ned was you know explaining his experience this morning and i listened to a podcast with tim ferris and i know you're a big fan of tim yeah. ferris and i can't remember who the guest was and it was a couple of years ago now about when you die how the soul oh. still exists and doesn't die 
So 21 grams. Because it's, Sorry? like like what? Ned said then, it's conscience, not anything physically mm. or yep. for an, a reason would wake you up. The raging thirst or the needing a yeah. pee or worse. Yep. yep. Almost his, his soul, his conscience subconsciously remembered that he needed to do it and woke him up. Jesus, that's like something a fever this dream. powerful, how can that just disappear? It's true. That's just the meaning of life though, isn't it? True. It's anyway, like, are we here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I went for a walk in, in Calais, which I is where we same. are. The yeah. finish line of uh, stage four. And a place that I can't... Have you ever raced in, into Calais in the history of your racing career, David? Well, Ned, I won the Tour de Nord de Pas de Calais in 1995. <laughs> oh. I didn't... That wasn't set up. I didn't yeah. tee that up. I just... Yeah. That was totally was ignorant of it. It was an amateur, it was an amateur race. race. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a I was Laurent Lefebvre, who was my nemesis. Right. Got him. The finish in Calais? We did do a stage at Calais. There's a stage yeah. race? Okay. Yeah. That was like a four... Four or five? No, it must be a four-day stage race, I think. Yeah, no, but I can't remember. Oddly, when I, when I went for a walk as well, because I haven't been in France in, since our last Tour de France. Haven't you? No. Really? And it Me was neither. so weird to be back because it all felt so familiar. That's, I lived that's here for many really years. strange for you, isn't it? Yeah, Not I know. It was so ca- I kept kind of getting flashbacks saying I've been here before, but I don't think I have. And yet, because there is so much familiarity to France... Yep. And so, and you kind of suddenly see these little, there's a couple of nice bistro brasserie places. Yep. That actually look really nice. I didn't go in them. Yep. And, but it's, what I found weird about Cali is it's quite empty. Today it is. I don't think yeah. it's going to be empty no, tomorrow. tomorrow. I right. think it's going to be like. And they properly tidied up the town. The roads look like resurfaced. Yeah. I think, I think they spent quite a lot of money on the train station as well. I mean, it's uh, quite plush around yeah, there yeah. and everything. And our hotel was fantastic. When we came in at 3.30 last night, it was like, we are back in France. It was, wasn't it? It was just yeah. a pure hit of like, oh, it, this is a French hotel. Yeah. Me and Ned have just played two frames of snooker, that, which in the breakfast area. That, that was surprising. That's something, I mean, this is my, as I say, my 20th tour. Never had. A, a full-size snooker table in the breakfast room before. And huge. Not only that, but actually played on it. And it's um, like wood panelling. We've got yeah. wood panelling kind of on the walls. Yeah. We've got a kind of a nice, almost like smoking what bar. About, what about the car? So very yeah, heavily carpeted. Yeah. <laughs> very heavily carpeted, isn't it? It's very heavily slightly carpeted. Slightly worn in places, I'll be yes. Um, and then when you get upstairs, what are you on the second floor? Is that I'm on the second floor. You're on the second smell, floor, isn't it? Yeah. You get with the carpet slightly. Yeah, you just know it straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all very. This is all stuff that wasn't present in Denmark. No, this is very. This is very. Fruit. So we're in France now. What colour would you say the corridor, the walls of the corridors are? I'd say it's a kind of aqua teal, sort of um, a sort of teal. Yeah, light teal. It's not dissimilar to your t-shirt, yeah. actually. Yeah. Kind of, sort of somewhere not close to that. Yeah, yeah. aqua teal falls say. in between Long a few colours. Yeah, it is. It's properly kind of like, it, it's a, just, this hotel, it's the hotel Met- uh, Metropole. Lovely staff here. Really nice. Yeah. Staff. Really nice hotel. I gather, although I slept through it, that the breakfast is outstanding. So I don't in any way wish to denigrate it, but it is a pure hit of France. And this mm. is, this is Tour de France hotel. Yeah, and, we don't and it's really so comforting and lovely, and it's like welcome back. And to it's the nice because we could have been coming straight to a B and B or an Ibis mm-hmm. or a Campanile Peter or a Novotel. Pete, Pete would have been super happy Mercure. to have been in a B and B hotel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. So then, it, yeah, it would have been like filled with regret of what could have been. Yeah, oh, I would have a... struggled to sleep, you know, thinking about those breakaways that could have gone in. <laughs> there was a funny bit yesterday that was probably worth fixer. recounting actually, as we were leaving the finish line at what, where were we yesterday? What was it called? Uh, Sondenburg. 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 
um, as we were leaving there, we got we got away quite quickly, didn't mm, we? Quite strategically parked, and all of a sudden, and a little, through a little barrier, ran, shimmied around a heaven. thing. I was driving, and then we found we were in a little traffic jam of all the team car, all mm. the team buses pulling away. Oh, that was brilliant! That was, and, and, and we couldn't we couldn't move, and it was uh, I got into kind of like eyes out and stalks and schlug mode, didn't I? Because oh, that's, you, you know, were loving it. I was a bit yeah. though. You were a bit like, starstruck. And also, I was in the front seat. So yeah. rolls. Oh, yeah, oh, you were hanging out. Ned, you were hanging out trying to say hello to people. To the Bus, yeah, uh, Patrick Veer from Movie Star. Yeah, uh, who else? There was one of them. Oh, oh, Matt Heyman. Yeah, post race interview. Yeah, and, who and was then the B and B boys walked straight past straight us past with their little kick bags on. Yeah, t- we could have li- literally <laughs> the men in glass. We could have we could have reached out and touched Pierre along. Who was the Spanish guy? The Patrick Veer. Yeah, he was like super happy to see you. Yeah, yeah. Don't know why. Um, you what's a yeah? Well, you, well, who's who's he? He Please? was um, a coach and director sportif on Borough at Borough when I was there, and he's now now he's with Movistar. Yeah. He seemed Great like guy, a, yeah. he seemed like a super nice guy, mm-hmm. and he was genuinely pleased to see you. Spanish, yeah. they're already nice. Yeah, they are. There they're you go. lovely people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the and tagline? Then, but, BNB tagline. Just before we move on, um, men in, uh, no. Well, there's many you, hashtag men in glass. Then there's or, hashtag there is no try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yoda. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I gave you a present, didn't I? Yeah. I yeah. gave you a present um, yeah. yesterday. It was a mug. Was yesterday? No, a couple of days ago. Cost yeah, me five it euros. I, it was yesterday. I, I've carried that around since the final <laughs> stage of the Giro d'Italia this year when we went to Milan and we got put up in a, in a B&B hotel in Milan. This is a great segue to a story. I'm using segue because one, it's a, it's a podcast word and I know David likes it. I do. And I've yeah. just used it for the first time and absolutely buzzing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So you know, this is story about the V&V mug. Yeah, it cost me five euros, Pete. I had to, I just checked in. It was really late at night. We had a massive transfer to get to Milan. And I had the bad news that I had to share a room with Matt Stevens. <laughs> so it was like a lot went wrong with check-in. But that didn't, but that didn't, um, that didn't uh, deter me from saying, oh, one last thing. Just that little closed boutique shop there where you sell B&B memorabilia. Can I have one of those black B and B mugs, please? And I'll happily pay five euros for it because there's a there's a little slogan on it. It says B and B hotels only for everyone. <laughs> only for everyone. So they love us. They love a tagline. Did hashtag you? there is no try. Hashtag only for everyone. And hashtag men in glass. Who's writing this? B and B hotels. That's yeah, cool. I just have the confidence they have to do kind of merch. So. so yeah. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but segue to mugs and what yeah. you drink coffee out of or tea. Oh, yeah. Whatever your preference is. Mm. We didn't mention it on the pod, which no, we is didn't, did we? crazy. Yeah, we were at the Strand Hotel in Nyborg. Yeah, I New, rock New up. Ball. New I ball. said to David, because I bring coffee with me, and I've only actually done it once so far, but you need a kettle in your room to, to make your own coffee. And yeah. so I, I made a coffee, and I was like, oh, I wonder if David, because the coffee at the, um, the breakfast there wasn't very good. Would want a coffee, so I offered him a coffee. Strand Hotel in Newport. Was the, that the, the hyper modern one? There was a shining opposite the sea, like right. Oh, on oh the yeah, sea yeah, 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 yeah. So come down with my coffee and my mug, and the hotel mug with David's mm. coffee. Yeah, and it turns out, so this is my favourite mug. I carry it everywhere I go, and when I'm at home, I drink my coffee out of it every morning. <laughs> yeah. So I see it, and I'm like, can I see your mug? Yeah. It's my favourite mug at home. Yeah. I got mine in San Francisco. This is unbelievable. I got mine five in California. Wait, you've both got this favourite coffee mug that you yeah. like drinking your coffee. It's we, a bit of a routine. You you haven't got yours on the race. No. Pete has got his on yeah. the race. On the race. And now I've come with a really quite standard 
quite unpleasant, yeah. quite ugly five euro B&B hotels mug that you feel duty bound now to be quite grateful for because it was a gift that I've nurtured it's, all the way yeah, through. But, but, I just, still, to, I still but just to put in perspective what, what makes it interesting, this mug, it's, it's a lovely sort of kind of got a concave sort it's of shape. Lovely it's lovely to drink heavy. out of. And it's got, it's by a company called Four Barrels. Yeah. And it's got a little tagline on it mm. and it's a swear word, F it. Okay. And it's just, I just love that. You wake up in the morning, you drink it, and it's effort. And, and wrap, I was like, of course Pete's got the same mug. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. But to wrap the story up, I got mine in the 2017 or eight, 2018 tour of California after the race. Huh. And when I, did you get yours? Like? I already got mine in 2017 in San Francisco when I was on a tour with Brooks. And, and I just walked into a shop, saw the mug, and I was like, I'm buying that. And that's my, <laughs> well, yeah, my favourite mug. Hey, I've got a kettle with me, by the way. True. So, you know, oh, if you ever... Know, yeah. yeah, you yeah, got no, stopped. Um, so when we were getting on the plane yesterday, um, oh, your, your, your bag got pulled up. Oh, yeah, that was funny. So what was in your bag, Pete? Yeah, you had to do, you had the, uh, the unzip of shame, didn't you? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's... It's so different for me because I'm obviously on TV visually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got to obviously look the part. Yeah. Uh, and with my hairstyle at the minute, if I don't <laughs> blow dry it back with a touch of hairspray, it looks like I am. I don't know what to look like. Quite Probably like me. I don't know. <laughs> my just, hair at just the moment. A, yeah, just a bit. I wouldn't look that very professional right now, would I? On TV. It's very different from your TV hair, even yeah. though weirdly it's the same hair, yeah. but it's how you've treated it. So like naturally, moment, my hair just falls forward. At the moment, fringe, at the moment, it's great, but there is, to some extent, you could. You, it looks unprofessional or not as smart or. Well, it, yeah, you know, there's a there's a there's an element of Dickensian orphan about you, you mm. know, that someone's just kind of like that. That'll do for a haircut. Yeah, the, the old kind of that'll do. Well, I like to make an effort. Yeah. for TV, and it's for like t- Marcel so, Kittle's hair. I can imagine. That looks completely different in the morning as well. I would imagine it does, but I don't think anyone's seen that ever. No, ever. No, ever. Um, um, but yeah, that's why I had so a hairdryer. For it, <laughs> just in case I need to do something where my hair gets sweaty. So your hairdryer got flagged in yeah. the in the, in the thing. T- you need to take. Is it? I don't electrical, know. Isn't it? It's got a plug. Yeah, like a laptop mm. or an. IPhone. Yeah, but they never say because all that thing belts, please. Um, <laughs> Liquids over Any 100, con- liquids in a clear <laughs> yeah, bag, yeah. your belt, your, your you, hairdryer, you, t- t- pockets of your phones and any change. Toothpaste. Oh, it's toothpaste. I thought yeah. it was moisturiser. No, no, yeah. no. I'll let you off. Thanks. I had toothpaste. Oh, it was over 75 mil. Yeah, but normal Can we tube. just say what an exciting um, flight it was in terms of our co-flight, oh, that was, that our, was our co-passengers? Because it was basically us lot. Yeah. Like, uh, with the extended ITV crew, so mm-hmm. what are we, about a dozen people mm-hmm. on the road? Um, but we were the only people who weren't working for France Television. Yeah. Everyone else no, on our No, 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 we weren't. Netflix. On Netflix. Oh, Netflix were there. That's another story. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting one. But yeah. first of all, let's deal with the France Television, because mm. they, they, they made schlubed. up the bulk of the passengers. We realised at yeah. check-in, but the you, people... You flexed your French, actually, in the, the queue, didn't you? The, the people behind us were basically the assembled cast of the Velo Club. Legends. And, and the Velo Club is the, the magazine show, the, the presentation show, the wraparound show of the Tour de France. Mm. And it has been yeah. forever and a day. Forever. It's always been the Velo Club. Yeah. That's it, yeah. The it's star G- Gerard Holtz. Gerard Holtz. Oh. The amazing Gerard Holtz. There were so many characters, wasn't there? Um, yeah. They're proper TV stars. It's worth saying Holtz is retired. For, yeah, yeah, he retired he, a good few years ago. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Who was... Um, Marion Russe. Keep going. Another one. Um, well, the couple famous of, racer. Tom of Oakley. No, uh, uh, brilliant, but again, older. Laurent Jalibert. Laurent Oh, that was with good. Yeah. His 
Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man bag. Transition bag. Yeah. yeah. So proud. Yeah. We've done an Great. Iron Man. Well, Me and Dave were going through what could be in there. Goggles, swim cap, wetsuit. <laughs> He'll be in the sea now. Doing hair dryer. Yeah. Hair dryer. <laughs> <laughs> hair dryer. Lauren Chalabelle his hair dryer. But, and his but then behind us, <laughs> behind us were, and I don't know the names and I should know, I feel quite ashamed. They, they History become, man. The, the, Gary, the Gary Imlach character from mm-hmm. Philadelphia, the, the anchor, who's um, just very demure, isn't he? Is that the right word? Yeah, just yeah. very in control. And he's got yeah. a lovely kind of relaxed attitude and history guy who we've admired. Oh, he's amazing. We've admired for years. So I actually, he was the first, my first port of call. Yeah. Just when you were about to, yeah. I turned around and I said in French, and I said, you know, I just want you to know I'm, I'm the English TV yeah. commentator. And when we come on air slightly later, we, we watch the first hour or two of your mm-hmm. transmission just because we're in awe of it. And it's yeah, just fantastic. Yeah. He looked delighted. And he oh, went, wow. and, he, and he said, and he started grabbing his mates and saying, oh, look, this guy, he's the British TV commentator. He watches our output and it all yeah. spread like wildfire, huh. except to the, the ex-riders who really matter. They were, they were unimpressed. Really. They weren't so impressed. But it was nice to see Tom of a club. I love to see Tom. Yeah. He was, he was standing there with his suitcase gave, gave that had a, a great big sticker on it and it written on a Sharpie in really quite big capital letters. It just said, Vuclair. <laughs> <laughs> he just does. And what was, I tell you what I loved as well, how the ex-pro cyclist just refused to go to the flight until it's the very last Abs- minute. Until I called. Offredo. You're an offredo. Yeah, we were just like, all the pro cyclists just waited yep. until the very death. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but yeah, our, our entire crew basically minus us yeah. had scurried oh, yeah. to go um, scurried downstairs because they thought the flight the might first call fairly soon yeah the amateurs. first possible kind of amateurs we hung back a little bit but even we were starting to get a bit twitchy you, you got that, twitchy. i got a bit twitchy but at that point Jon Alfredo stepped up and ordered a pint <laughs> <laughs> which i was impressed and by. then we walked down to once you go through the tunnel and down the steps to queue to get on the flight and Tom of Ocalaire's just stood on the steps about yeah. 100 metres away. He got, like he, got, he works there. He got there with the earmuffs on and stuff like he's got a job to do somewhere else. <laughs> and he's just like, what is going on? Just did not care. No, he, he had, really didn't he, care. He'd been um, duty-free shopping as well. He had a big bag of Lego. Oh, yeah. That's right. Didn't yeah, he? Loads of Lego for his kids. Yeah. It's so good. And Best Lego shop in the world, by the way. That was, yeah, that was incredible. What blew yeah. my mind was the Ferrari that cost 500 euro. Yeah. You could literally buy a car, an actual car for that. Yeah. It might not last very long, but you could. You could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've sold a car for 500. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, so you can buy a car. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Renault Clio, about 25 years old, that smells of sick from the amount of times my daughter was sick in it when she was a baby. Aww. Yeah, nice. 500 quid and it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Just take it. Anyway, so that was quite, I thought that was quite an exciting flight to be on, actually. Mm. Yeah. Because we, we work in parallel worlds, don't we? But yeah. um, it's actually really nice to meet these people in the, in the flesh. They're so different to us, though, because we're, we're so British in the sense that we don't really, we don't have makeup people. Yeah. We don't no. kind of, you look, you dress well. Yeah, and have yourself together, Pete. Carries with hair. Carries with a hair but, yeah, exactly. Travel with a hairdryer. There's no, yeah. Yeah. no one to do but it for me. Yeah, but they'll also, have a hairdryer truck. All, yeah. <laughs> they're also perfectly turned out all the time. Because Alfredo's yeah. got great Aren't hair. They? Hasn't yeah. he? Alfredo's got great hair. Yeah, they're like, they feel like they're always on television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Don't they? It's like a reality show. Or yeah. compl- oh, I think they do live like but they're that. But they're also all branded up, even when they're off yeah. camera a little bit. It was all kind of a little bit liveried, yeah. wasn't it? One yeah. year when I get my act together and get more organised, I feel like we could make quite good... I know, I know we do the podcast, but a YouTube... Almost vlog yeah. would well, be this great. Is, even to doing watch. this is hard enough, though, isn't I, it? That, well, that's what I mean. It's it's a lot of commitment, <laughs> huge commitment. Yeah, but I'd like to think that I'd have it in me. Yeah, one yeah. year you could. Yeah, I think we spoke about that before, didn't we? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we talk? Yeah, should we talk about race? Race? yeah. Yeah. So it finishes in Calais tomorrow. Where does it start? 
Uh, Dunkirk. It does start Dunkirk. How far does is Dunkirk it? from here? Not far, so it does a big loop. Ah. It goes round into the, North to the south. Yeah, yeah, into the kind of heart, which yeah. is, um, as you can attest, having won that amateur race, which was yes. called the, the Nord Pas de Calais. Nord Pas de Calais. Um, you can attest, uh, and contrary to the sort of popular conception of Pas de Calais, it's not flat. No, it's not flat. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's kick no, no. Is, kick is galore. You know, if anyone who's been to Boulogne will realize it's kind of Boulogne, mm-hmm. for example, sits mm-hmm. up on a hill. It's just down the yeah. coast from Calais. And, um, the race loops round. It's a stressful place to race, actually, isn't mm. it? This part of the world. Yeah. It's pretty windy today. I haven't checked the wind forecast tomorrow. I'm going to do it now while you guys are... I just had a flashback. Gone. Of the 1994 Tour de France, before when it came to the UK, came to Brighton. Uh, but the stage before it came finished, I think maybe in Calais mm-hmm. or Dunkirk. And it was a team time trial. Sean Yates got the yellow jersey. Um, but I think I remember Chris Borman being in it and Gan. And was Le Mans being dropped in the team time trial? Something controversial oh, like that. that rings a bell. Yeah, and so... Chris was ripping it. Anyway, that was my flashback. Right, okay, you're welcome. So it leaves it leaves Dunkirk and goes due south um, on pretty flat terrain. I think it's fairly flat. Oh, this is, a, and, this is Magnus Court's going to have to go. And and then there are a succession of climbs. In fact, on um, um, tomorrow's um, tomorrow's course there are four, sorry, six category four climbs. Mm-hmm. So that, a, that matches the precise tally sorry, that uh, Magnus Court um, has got. Well, we're looking at the wind conditions. Is this for tomorrow? That's mo- no. So it's tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. so tomorrow must be the... Are we on the fourth today? Fifth yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, you click yeah. on the fifth. Oh, it's died down a little oh. bit. But it's, no, that's strong enough. That's strong enough. Tailwind so start. the wind the wind tomorrow, uh, that's actually really oh, interesting. Here. The wind tomorrow is um, at its strongest, and it's a uh, on the coast. and they only But they only actually hit the coast with the final, oh. what, 20 kilometers 20 to go? 20 to go, yeah. And then it basically, according to forecast, will be absolute tailwind or, or oh, slight yeah. cross tailwind yeah that's all the brilliant because yeah, and it's one of those type of winds where because it's on the limit of being a pure tailwind there'll be sections where it's really really fast tail cross for, yeah like split sections you know that's which good. can be really dangerous that's when people get caught out that's exciting yeah so so as i say it's a, it's a kind of loop that heads off south from dunkirk inland then it goes in a westerly direction then eventually just north of boulogne they hit the coast where they turn basically almost through 180 degrees and follow the coast back um in in a westerly direction sorry easterly direction towards calais along the coast pretty exposed all the way and it finishes in the city and um it's i know a lot of british fans have been coming across including um phil wright uh fred wright's dad yeah who's a, a, a mate of mine hoping to hook up with him a bit later um who said that fred has been doing an awful lot this is quite interesting isn't it because he said i said how's fred finding it so far he said he's really grateful for the rest day uh, oh, really? it's been hard so far and this isn't the guy who's making his debut on the tour de france he was in last year's race so he knows really? what to expect but it's quite interesting isn't it because our perception is it's not of the race so far it's, is that, the way, though, isn't it? it's been yeah. Been looks pretty, easy from a yeah, helicopter. Looks, looks easy from the helicopter, but he's been doing a lot of work. He's been doing a lot of work keeping um, Bahrain victorious riders safe huh. doing it on the front. Um, good. Now that we are, now that we've stepped away from Denmark, mm-hmm. and we can be a little bit more reflective about it with hindsight, taking away the the wonder of the Danish reception from the, mm-hmm. the public, I don't think it was a vintage Grand Depart in a pure sporting sense. No, it wasn't in the slightest. Yet at the same time, I think it was saved by Magnus Court's kind of uh, flamboyant performance. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been uh, less special. <coughs> so that's, that's given a whole. Well, going back to the Netflix people. Oh yeah, we haven't. So, so, so speaking to yeah. Netflix people, and 
they kind of already sees that those first so, three days as being one episode almost. Yeah. So, 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 so sorry, just after Tom O'Vercler got his wrist slapped mm-hmm. for sitting on mm-hmm. the, the, you know, looking like an airport worker and mm-hmm. going through his leg, we were just behind us with three people mm-hmm. you've met before mm-hmm. who are the makers, the producers, the producers yeah. of the Netflix documentary yeah. that's going on with eight yeah. teams on yeah. board and 24, 26 cameras. Something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So, so it's a big production. Yeah. It was funny. So I saw Jamie, who's the producer actually yesterday in the, in the zone technique. And, uh, I was like, how are you? He says, I'm exhausted. I was like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> it's like day three. But yeah. it's kind of, I, um, he's probably got more reason to if you're managing eight crews. Yeah. But still, I think they're just kind of in shock and awe of but, just how uh, wild the tour is. When you're not is. used to yeah. traveling every day. And just living the chaos out of the suitcase. Yeah. yeah. And then to think what the staff and, and everyone's got to do who work on the race is just insane, isn't it? They, but, I think their mind yeah. was blown a bit by how... <laughs> how it's possible yeah and how long it is and they're yeah. shattered off but i, I would imagine <laughs> after three days after, have is Bahrain victorious one of the teams they are in that's a good question i don't know there's don't a list know. somewhere i can't remember um can't get the internet here. yeah true <laughs> really um if yeah. they are then that's that would good explain story. why they might potentially have had a pretty explosive you know mm. amount of you know mm. some, some pretty interesting footage although they would have had to have the cameras there when it was all happening, which would have been quite five thirty in the morning in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, they wouldn't have been allowed either. Police would have. Well, could have. That'd have been a good shot. The old palm on the lens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could yeah. be yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah, just possibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 could you yeah. just go out and come back in yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, the way the gendarmes used to behave in the, on the Tour de France, they'd probably done that. Yeah. 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 It was all about the show, it wasn't it? Was it? All about the show. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the race. Yeah. I feel like we've look at the profile become accustomed well. to having such high expectation of what to, yeah, how it's going to be raced, mm. and and in, the, in terms of excitement and mm. conflict, whatever it may be. Or actually, you know, there was years gone by. I probably it was it's a bit old school, but there was seven pure sprint days, wasn't there, David? Yeah, where yeah, the exact happened Just for over seven and over again, over and over again. First week sprints, oh. last week sprints, middle week mountains. That was the old format. I mean, I think the organisation got a bit unlucky with, you know, they did put a difficulty into mm. stage two and potentially stage three as well. Mm. There was always the potential for them to be really dangerous stages. Mm. Uh, we've been talking about it for months, haven't we? The, yeah. the, oh, yeah. that, that could that could end people's race. But I'm uh, really excited yeah, so, on how it's been but, set up since the, since Denmark. Uh, we, now the fact of the matter is we've left Denmark with everyone pretty much in contention. Which is great. Uh, and, you know, no one's lost, no one's lost apart from possibly Jakob Fulsang. And I don't even know how serious a GC mm. rider he was at mm-hmm. Rigoberto Run. Mm. But um, here we are, and it feels like when the race does kick off again, it f- it's suddenly serious. Yeah. And, and everything else has been a bit of a Lego mm. playground. Well, you, yeah, it's true. Because you know <laughs> what, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, but you know now, what? look at that. I mean, because looking at the profile, it's yeah. stage, I wonder. But, it just looks a little bit more with the wind added in yeah. as well. Oof, could be interesting. Also, I wonder, because the peloton was in Denmark at the Tour de France, there's, the peloton kind of remembers, knows a lot about the terrain of certain countries it races in. Yep. And you kind of go there and you know how to race, you know what to expect. And the race is almost kind of constructed. Denmark was very new to everybody. And yep. there was all that trepidation of the risk of things happening that perhaps everyone was kind of semi neutralized. Kind of, it was like, let's just get through these three days. Yep. It was quite a sort of, and there wasn't that much to do when the wind was as mm. it was. And now you get here and kind of, it's like right yeah. now the Tour de France starts. I completely agree. The roads yeah. are really good. Yeah. Wide most of the time. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of stress. Where once you get into France and especially this area, it's just 
the nature of of the of the roads and everything mm. with that is just so much more stressful in terms of positioning. Um, so yeah, I think it's a uh, we've got all the excitement to come over the next three days. When is I'm the, sure it's going to explode. So Plunge to Belfast Friday. Oh, well, we have the cobbles first. We're going to get the stage five. Cobbles. So we get through tomorrow. Cobbles, then it's cobbles. Nice. Then it's I'm not sure on stage six, and then yeah, Plunge to Oh, it's animated. Stage seven. That's an exciting. First yeah. So. Week. Yeah. Well, we've got um, stage four is Dunkirk to Calais. Then we've got the um, stage five is the cobbled stage Lille Metropole to Arenberg Porte du Hainaut, which is exactly the same finish line, isn't it, that they used in 2014, the Nibali day? The, on oh, that I, day. I can't remember. P- pretty, pretty sure. Um, and then stage six is Banche to Longueville. And stage seven is not La Planche des Belles but La Super. Oh, the des What's so the difference? So the extra bit's gravel. coming back into play. Oh, it's, so we, we, we were discussing that it wasn't. It was when we did it. The yeah, gravel the, bit? Yeah, the gravel bit. Nice. When we did it. When we ran off it <laughs> ran in it. 2019. Yeah. Link in the show notes to our YouTube video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put yeah. it back. The plank attack. <laughs> the plank <laughs> attack. More views. I wonder how many views that's had. Also means we don't have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Just lie. Um, briefly, Ned, what does stage six look like on the... What's the description, is it? It's 220k. So it's the longest of the race. Um, I would hes- hesitate to know that. I'll write straight off the top of my head. But top of my head and oh it's the bin, um, um and it's the long v stage so it's it's yes uh, it's got a, oh. several complications oh, towards the end and it finishes on a little punchy climb it's a puncher Vanderpool. stage written all over that what the day after he's won the cobbles st- the cobble stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not well this that was, goes back to my see david's just left his microphone left the room so that <laughs> i can say this goes back to my point i was trying to make in the podcast yesterday that matthew van der Poel could still win the green jersey by winning a lot of stages. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's... And we also he, forgot about him wanting to take the yellow jersey. Yeah, the yellow jersey as well. Yeah, yeah. David. Oh, he's back. He's back. He's back. So, Sorry, I thought yeah. you were going to whisper something about David then that he couldn't hear. No, it's just... Yeah, I think... Yeah. yeah. No, well, uh, no, not really. Someone just asked me for an autograph. Really? No yeah. way. Yeah, fact. Who? Some lovely older English guy. I told him I couldn't accent in a pod. No, you didn't. You just dropped your microphone and hooned straight over there and gave me an autograph. <laughs> in the meantime... <laughs> In the meantime, we were saying um, Matthew Vanderpool can win stage five and stage six. And then he's back in the game. And he's back in the game with the green jersey, potentially. He has to win stages now, though, to actually be back in the game. Yeah, but you so said, you, but it was interesting. I was listening back to our podcast yesterday where you said, you know, he's just here for stage wins. But if he's here for stage wins and gets stage wins, he's back in the green jersey, isn't he? Yeah. As well. That's how it works. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no so, you're so right. Kind of, yeah. But if, he's, if that's his kind of tactic and he's just put all his eggs in that basket, yeah. that's, that's classic Matthew Vanderpool. That's why he's my hero. Does what he wants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also that's how he's going to get those points in those stage wins isn't it he's not yeah. going to he's not competitive in a bunch of sprint at the Tour no. de France no he's not he and, could be but he's chosen not to be yeah and he's got Philipson as well and he's got he's got Jesper Philipson exactly right um, but uh, what was I going to say oh yeah so the yellow jersey this pod is turning out to be quite what? quite the pod because you know it was a bit of a rest day for the riders we thought maybe the pod would be a bit more I would say I don't know we talked about what we're going to talk about. And yeah. I feel like well, we, we're there's, some, about. there's some stuff I want to Sometimes talk about. Sometimes when you don't think you've got a lot to talk about, yeah. all of a sudden... Loads you know what it is? It's because you've you woke up at two and you're like gibbering and you haven't True. had to speak all day. Yeah. Dad, I've caught up and with it's him. Because you're uh, and yeah. you're, I caught up with him about two o'clock in the afternoon and he'd had four double espressos. No, that's I'm exaggerating. No, two double espressos. Two double espressos. Well, so four espressos. Yeah, and two orange juices. And two orange juices, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting there doing surpass CC training, weren't you? Oh, I was. Training surpass CC athletes. Yeah. Delivering results. Oh, worldwide. and we didn't we didn't discuss because you mentioned in the first episode the guy that you train is in Maratona. Yeah, he was fifth. 
Mr. Good. Is he pleased? Yeah. Are yeah. you pleased? Yeah. yeah. Or are you hugely disappointed with your athlete? <laughs> no. I'm, I think fifth is, is a great result. I think fifth is great. Are you going to tell us who your athlete is or do you have a confidentiality? Davide uh, Cavallo. Davide Cavallo. Um, is he yeah, young? Is he he's young an Italian. Or, or? Well, he's an Italian rider who lives in London. Okay. So he's born in Italy. And now he lives in London. Um, <laughs> and then I've got Luke Lamperty. Yep. Thomas Gloak. How many Luke do you Lamperty, train? Uh, I train all three of them. Nice. Uh, and Ralph Holden, who's a junior rider on the Isle of Man. Francis Miller. You do tra- you train my yeah. sister? Yeah. yeah. Which is, oh my, logistically. <laughs> and <laughs> she needy. No, I mean, it's just because she's so busy. Oh, she's and so she's busy. she travels so much. Yeah. It's it's really challenging. Yeah. Um, but it means you've got to keep it flexible. Yeah. Because, she, and sometimes she doesn't know what the day is going to turn out like. No. Um, but it's good. It's good fun. And who else do I train? Yeah. So that's that's my little plug there. Yeah. It's great. Show notes. Surpass.cc. Yeah. Um, Matthew Vanderpool has given an interview, David, where he said, yeah, but, you know, yellow jersey is still very much my you know focus and mm-hmm. he, and i i actually because i can't get online here off the top of my head i don't know where he is on gc but it ain't much you know yeah. it ain't much and um he said the quote that i read was 20 seconds to take 20 seconds on the cobble is easy <laughs> on the cobbles is easy he's got this a point. would be classic if matthew and we were saying this how matthew well, just took the jersey for walt van art matthew vanderpool is his nemesis and if well if matthew vanderpool takes the yellow jersey off walt van art van art's yellow jersey van oh. art's yellow jersey yeah my God. Yeah. That's just this permanent <laughs> life cycle for Wout Van Aert. You yeah. do it, I'll do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's oh, also, it is set up for that. Yeah. To be honest. Although, you know, the, the cobbles, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything. Cobbles. Anything. Yeah. Anyway, um, Calais gets a bad, I think Calais gets a bad um, rep, rap. Because, I mean, the, the, the problems that Calais faces on its doorstep are really significant. What, Britain? Yes. <laughs> and to be fair, the, Fr- the French government's attitude on occasions, but you know, they have a, no, they have a refugee yeah. crisis yeah, here and they have had for decades mm. the, the, the jungle, the, the various different iterations. That's a human tragedy played out on a massive scale and it's mm. happening just up the road, which is, it gives Calais on, you know, if you think about it, you stop and think about it, it gives it really quite an uncomfortable kind of like a, a shadow that, yeah, that, 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 that sits just alongside it, which is, um, really important to think about and address and do something about actually if you can and support you know the, a lot of the, the amazing NGOs who do great work with the the refugees um, uh, the refugees who are in Calais um, but as I think as a, as a result and also because um, of its sheer proximity to sort of Britain it's the first you know, England it's the first place that you reach when you, you by the most direct route go across the channel um, there's this sort of sense that it's too familiar and it's too unglamorous. It's not, it's almost not France. And plus it's not classically pretty because it was destroyed in the second world war largely, you know, not massively rebuilt like a lot of the other towns have been, although there's one or two sort of grand bourgeois avenues here by and large, it's all post-war architecture, save for the, um, extraordinarily ornate, I think 19th century belfry at the hotel de ville which dominates the skyline yeah. that's really big mm, isn't it, it it's is. like a kind of it's like a kind of big ben that's been dipped in gold and mm. and, and and kind of like all sorts of little crust crusty mm. bits added to it and a bit more color splashed over it and stuff um so that's that's really impressive um but i went for a little walk to kind of pick up little bits and pieces of history and see what there is around and i 
the first thing I saw was the Tour de Gouet, which is a 12th century, no, yeah, no, 13th century tower Hmm. that used to be part of some old city walls. And it's an amazing history because it has survived and been part of so much of Calais history, which in Calais history itself represents, you know, quite deeply its geographical location in Europe and the fact that it's come into conflict through centuries with both the English and the Germans. Mm. Um, And it was from the Tour de Gouet, which is a big tower that stands alone, that that, um, the representatives of the English king, King Edward III, at the end of the siege of Calais in the early 14th century, which had gone on for years and had resulted in thousands of deaths when the English laid siege to Calais, they forced the surrender of Calais, essentially by saying, we will kill everyone. Or, or, and here's the conditions. And they read them out. They climbed up to the top of the tower and the survivors of the siege gathered underneath the tower. And they said, here's the deal. Either you will die Mm -hmm. or six of your nominated leaders, civic leaders, will come here and they will do what we tell them to do. And the thing that they were told to do, namely, was to walk around town in their disgrace with a noose around their neck, Hmm. carrying the keys of the city. So it was a kind of act of deep humiliation and shame. And at the end of the 19th century, the the brilliant sculptor Rodin Mm. created one of his great, probably his ultimate, apart from Mm. L'Enfer, The Gates of Hell, his great masterpiece, the Les Bourgeois de de Calais, the Burgers of Calais, Hmm. which the original casting is still here in in the little square, the the square of the unknown soldier outside the Hôtel de Ville couple of hundred meters away from where we're where we're talking oh, now going there after this absolutely you have to go and see it absolutely i'll come with you yeah it is an astonishing bit of sculpture and it represents the six hmm. the six um burgers of calais wow. with their nooses around their necks huh. um what's what i didn't realize before i was sort of got reading about it was that it's a bronze right so that you can mm. you can cast it yes so, um so there are this was the original one from 1895 but by french law there are only a certain number of casts of Rodin's Burgers of Calais that are legally, you know, uh, available. Yeah. So they have now, I think all 12 have been taken. One is in London. Where? It's just outside the Houses of Parliament in Victoria Gardens. And another is in Copenhagen, which I didn't know. Oh, there you go. And the only one I've seen, because I've never seen the Calais one before today, um, is in the Rodin Museum in Paris, which is mm. an absolutely phenomenal place. That's so, amazing. And was that, is yeah. it coincidental? Because a few days ago I saw on Twitter, I think there is, or oh, no, it was Instagram. Um, I follow an account that has old original color pictures. And it was the, the only color picture of yeah, Rodin. And it's a beautiful picture. I'll try and find it and show it to you. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, big, mm. big fan of Rodin. Have you ever seen the Gates of Hell as well? No. Uh, next time we're in pa- well, next time we're in Paris, Paris. we're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, three well, weeks. <laughs> well, because we'll have time in the morning. We'll yeah, go we to the Rodin Museum. Oh, uh, that's a great idea. We'll go to the Rodin Museum. You see I the Gates that. of Hell and yeah. your mind will be blown. Yeah. Your mind will be blown. Um, uh, yeah, so and, and just going back to the tour, the, the, the Tower of Gouy. So that was, that was the story at the end of the siege of, um, mm. what's his name? Calais. Mm-hmm. Then I, all this stuff I didn't know until I've just you know found out about it. It was ripped in half, so a bit of it fell away when an earthquake struck in 1580, and I didn't know 
any of this part of Europe was ever kind of um, yeah subject to seismic you know earthquakes that could bring Mm. buildings down but yeah yeah. so a bit of it dropped off in 1580 Uh, the English in whatever conflict they were involved in (laughs) in the mid 17th century with France um, planted a cannonball right in the heart of it and ripped another chunk out of it standard and then it suffered um, bombing in 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 was it March or May 1940 when the Germans actually came into Calais and took it. Um, they they inflicted further damage on it. And during the years of Allied bombing as well, which went on for four yeah. years, in between 1940 and 44, it was struck several times by um, Allied bombing raids as well. Yeah. And it's still here. Calais is amazing. Yeah. So it is quite it's a historic, you know, it's a really, it's like really you're interesting you're living on place. the front, yeah. the front line yeah. of European geopolitics. And there's a park just opposite the Hotel de Ville, opposite where the burgers of Calais are. You just mm. cross the road and there's a lovely little park called the, the Saint-Pierre Park. So and that's beautiful. Yeah. In the middle of it, in the middle of it is a Nazi bunker. Really? It's a, it's a kind of single story affair, but it's like one of those bunkers that I'm very familiar with from having lived in Germany where some of them are so hard to demolish that um, they're too expensive to demolish. Mm. You know, you'd have to sort of like take them apart bit by bit. You can't yeah. dynamite them yeah. because <laughs> you need an atom bomb to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this, this, this bunker was built by the Nazis in 1940. And it was it was designed to house the um the telephone the telephone uh, exchange or the tele you know the telephone communication center for the German Navy on the Atlantic coast, and um it's still there. And nowadays it's one of those really kind of esoteric, private not state um private museums where they've got a, a collection of items that document life in Calais during the years of occupation from 1940 to 44. And I went around that room by room by room inside the bunker. And I love museums that are, that are kind of like basically run and maintained by hobbyists. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, so it was full of, um, it was full of like really skonky, slightly sort of crooked looking yeah. mannequins wearing German uniforms. <laughs> Not perfectly like curated. Not perfectly curated. <laughs> it was slightly musty inside, yeah. but it had some amazing details. And um, in particular, I was struck by, uh, they've sourced, Poster after poster after poster, original posters, um, written in French and German, uh, from the wartime years of occupation, which are just instructions to the population from the German occupying government and its French counterparts, you know, saying, as a result of the, the sabotage acts that we've just endured mm. this, you're, you're having a curfew about this and this is what's happening with rationing. It was just like turning the screw and turning the screw and turning the screw all the time. Right up until the, the the very last months and weeks of before liberation, where they were saying any workers in the factories who desert their post will be shot, you know, and all this sort of yeah. thing. So it was a, actually, uh, it's, it's a fascinating document of what civilian life must have been like mm. in places like Calais during the war years. So, by, so yeah, you had a useful day then. Well, yeah, I just saw quite a lot. Yeah, it was quite good. And Pete I just, was just in bed. Just, yeah. <laughs> <You know what>? <laughs> <laughs> and then Pete got up. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go and see Rodan, though. That would be cool. Yeah. Polaroid's coming out. Oh, yeah. Pete, yeah. you really have to see it. I'd yeah, be, I'm be going surprised to if you be yeah. <coughs> surprised if you weren't kind of slightly overwhelmed by that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm. It's, a, yeah. it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, that was... Um, we can't call it a rest day pod. A travel day pod. Travel day pod. First. Yeah. A first... I, I don't think I've ever had a travel day on the Tour de France. Not on Tour de France, no. It's just a, a unique a, mm. a first for me. Mm. So... It's never happened before. Unprecedented. True. Because when the Tour de France came to the UK in 2014, we just cracked on. Three stages in, two in Yorkshire. The next stage started in Cambridge, finished in London. 
then the whole shebang crossed the channel. Hey, you and know the what? It's we very kind of the organisers to give the the race. They had to because the zone technique can't get down here. That's the oh, only that's reason. The only reason. Oh, I believe me. That, they would have. Oh, they'd have done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. So it's not kind. It's not it's kind. Just, it's, it's just, just impossible. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, our TV yeah. truck we're carrying, the carrying all the play. all yeah. the cameras, the set, all the technical equipment. The, the six o'clock. Well, now. Yeah, maybe it's here soon. Yeah. But just you know, now, they've been Duncan, who's driving. Duncan's driving the truck, isn't he? He's been. He's driven at a speed limited thousand kilometers. You know, it's just it's an immense operation. Yeah. Donald, sorry, Donald. Donald. Yeah. Well, not sorry. My apologies. I've not, not yeah. met Donald until yeah. a, a day yeah. or two before, but Donald, you're absolutely However, right. uh, I'm completely okay with, with it. They're, they're this is nice, because I think this is going to break up the Tour de France big time, because normally this first week's the longest, and now it kind of feels like that was a whole different experience, Denmark. It feels like it was a different race, Yep. and yeah. now we start the Tour de France, and this week's going to fly by, then we've got a rest day. Yep. Yeah. Then it's going to fly back, and then all of a sudden, boof, we're done. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because the middle five days is—is is it five days ish? Is it or is it six? Six, six. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Because then it's Monday rest day, what, Monday rest day. That's quite it's, long. It's, that it's one. A, it's a strange one because it's shorter than the first ten. Yeah, but it feels almost as long. It does because that's there's that. no there's no like light at the end of the tunnel. There's you're, no sense of getting right. to the end. You're right. Groundhogish a bit for us yeah. and the riders at certain points. Yeah. Not like everyone involved because you kind of lose that. You just. That's, that's when people start to lose their mind. Exactly. And you make decisions yeah. like illogical decisions, yeah. emotional decisions yeah. that like I did. I, 2017 Tour de France. If I had of, do you know what? The, I honestly, I don't have many regrets. <laughs> well, I do have many regrets, but I don't, I don't have many regrets that I really regret. Um, that's one of them. What? Do you know what I did? I don't so know. Stu- well, I was just sick of it. I got. I don't. I wouldn't call it a chest infection, but I was a very, very heavy head cold, and I was so down for three days. I was in the Gruppetto every day, even on stages which weren't really hilly. Finishing forty minutes down with a group of ten guys dropped, and you had to ride one hundred and sixty kilometers. And no disrespect to any sprinters, but I was in a group of Cav, and I, I just thought, God, this is what he does every day. Yeah. when it's like this yeah. and he just accepts it and gets and to have the mentality to switch yeah. off from the race itself it's intense. and just be like all I've got to do is get to the finish what you don't realise is when you're in the peloton fighting for position trying to hold position mm. and you have a focus like the mm. kilometres fly by yeah. you've been dropped after because on this particular day it went up like a category 3 climb mm. the break took ages to go so I was dropped along with like a lot of the sprinters and there's a group of 15 of us and that was it for 160 kilometers with just 15 guys. McHugh was there, Cav was there. Mm. Um, and it was just get to the finish within the time limit. And I really, really struggled, struggled with it mm. because I was like, this isn't cycling. Mm. This isn't why I yeah. got into it or this isn't why mm. I do it. And it was the first real experience of that I had. And it, and then with that, it happened again. And also riding for Team Sky at the time. I was getting back on the bus and I felt like I was useless. I couldn't offer anything to the team. I felt like I was just a spare part, you know? And then it was the, and this is what really annoys me. I climbed off the day before the second rest day. Oh, <sighs> got it. Well, what all, you're saying, if you'd got through to the second rest day, you could have re- I could reset. Have reset, had yeah. time to slightly reflect. Yeah. And then maybe Did they get, try and talk you out of it? Did anyone on the team well, say? Well, no. But do you know when you when you have that type of head cold and you, you everyone will, will experience mm. this if they rode a bike, mm. whatever level, yeah. and you have that weird dizziness where your sinuses are all a bit yeah, out. Yeah. And, you know, when you're riding to the start and you don't feel quite with it. So it wasn't like a serious illness, but it mm. was just really... It was enough to tip you up. Yeah. yeah. And mm. 
you know, and I remember that stage and we talked about this as well, how some you remember so vividly and others yeah. you don't. And Valverde was like pushing me at certain points, which I was like, wow. Do you know what I mean? Because we've had arguments and stuff. I know, yeah. So, and that happened. Then it went into a weird crosswind situation where it's not crosswinds, but everyone's in the gutter. And I was just sick of it. I was sick of it. And I just, I just split second reaction, just got off my bike without even thinking about it. It was like irrational. And then it's done. And then I was in the team car and then I was spent the whole day in the team car and I was watching Sam Bennett in the cars the whole day get through to the next rest day. And I was like, what have I done? I could have done that. What have I done? Mm. And then, but I mean, he did finally climb off mm. a day or two later. Yeah. But you know, once you make that irrational decision and then you're watching someone and that's when you start to think logically, isn't it? Yeah. With some emotions, but you're like, oh, it's done, but it's done then. Yeah. It's too late. Um, why did I ever get onto that topic? I don't know, it's good. But you know what's just Regret. I'm just going to take one, one thing from that is, um, well, I'll take a few things from that. And we, we've all done it. How long it. have you got, David? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long, actually, how long have we got, Ned? <laughs> um, is... Oh, yeah. That was quite a long podcast. We, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is great. This is great. Yeah, go. You were just saying, I, I think I mentioned yesterday's podcast the day before about yeah. if you've had a fight, or maybe I said in commentary, sometimes when you've had a fight or ride in the peloton, you actually form a relationship with Yeah, them. I think you said in commentary. In commentary. Because yeah. you don't talk Kung to many people in peloton and other teams of different nations, and sometimes it'll be a heated moment, and you, you end up getting in a fight, and as Kung did and pushed the helmet, yeah. then you're force then go and talk to them yeah actually interact with them and apologize and mm. have a human moment mm. and then you actually become friends and it's like you fought with valverde then all of a sudden you're suffering and he's pushing you yeah and that's so cycling mm. it's Isn't such it? a weird it's phenomenon like the Kittle thing with me yeah didn't talk a whole career did a show at roulette um chatted away for ages on stage and after and we were just like your persona as a cyclist and as a human is so different mm. and the fact that you never even we never even spoke a word no. You spent so much time going through so many same different thing. things together. Oh, yeah. well, and going for the same thing together. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So that's a nice way to end the pod, I guess. It's yeah. elite sport and the pressures you're under within the peloton is not necessarily who you are. It's what you are. Two different characters. It's, it's well, a yeah. yeah. pro racing self and your human self. Yeah. yeah. Split yeah. personality almost. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Uh, see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.